And you're welcome back to News Talk Lunchtime. John Kyo in for Jonathan Healy today. Now, it's that time of the week again where we're joined in studio by money doctor John Lowe of moneydoctor.ie and, of course, author of the best-selling Money Doctor Finance Annuals. Afternoon to you, John. Good afternoon, John. Don't forget you can text us in with any questions you may have for John. 53106. It'll cost you 30 cents. Or you'll mail us at lunchtime at newstalk.ie. Uh, John, before we get to the listeners' um, questions, mm. just some areas of personal finance that are in the news today, in particular the um, childcare credit costs we've just been talking about mm-hmm. there. Um, this survey that, w- that we did here at News Talk, which is also available on, on, on newstalk.ie, uh, what it adds up to in terms yeah. of a household, say with two working adults yeah. and putting just say one kid into creche for five days a week yeah. if needs be, that would probably be fairly average, I, I would have it thought. Would be, yeah. well, what's the income that you'd need to be coming well, in with in a home it, to cover I, that? I, I, first of all, I applaud News Talk for bringing out Thank this you. survey because uh, number one, uh, children are very expensive, you know, and even those people who are thinking of having children, it's great fun and it's also uh, they're fantastic, but it's costly. Um, for one child on a creche, uh, in Dublin, you have the average of €222.30 per week just for, for that uh, one one child creche. To, you would need an income of at least €24,082 uh, a, a year. Gross. Gross salary. Mm. So, I mean, with with uh, if if you're on a thirty thousand euro job in a, an office uh, as as some kind of a, an office, not not necessarily professional, you know, it's nearly taking a hundred percent of your money just to to look after that one child. And you have to ask the question that when you start having two or three children in particular, is it actually worth actually working outside of the home? I think that's what a, that's a, that's a great um, dilemma a lot of people face, isn't oh, it? You know, it's, 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 the only thing is sanity is the one of the words that yeah. they use. You know, people uh, some some women need to to work to keep their, their sanity uh, I mean even for the cheapest which is in Monaghan of course they could always emigrate from Dublin up to Monaghan <laughs> or drive with every day or whatever yeah. and keep that child there 138 euros a week so you'd need what 14,950 of an income mm. to to, um, to kind of maintain that child and you'd there. have to assume that in, in a more rural area that the, the salaries probably wouldn't be as high as wouldn't be as, as high either I mean the average is 162 euros 55 cents a week so that's 17,609 now I'm assuming that the, the the people jointly are on 41% tax bracket. The universal social charge is 7% and the PSI is 4%. And you would, the 41%, do you, you don't pay all tax or all your full gross income at that. So you pay no. it at 20% and then go on to yeah, 41 Yeah, but if, if, if you're hitting, you know, um, you know jointly in excess of, of uh, 70,000, 80,000, uh, and it, you know it, it doesn't take much to get to seventy, eighty thousand between two of you. Yeah. Um, then you're you're jointly assessed, and and therefore you are under forty one percent tax bracket. So the first element is is twenty percent. But so you very quickly jump onto the forty one. You then. very yeah. quickly jump onto the. And then you also maintain uh, uh, you know other incomes. For instance, either you know if it's a single mother, she'll have maybe uh, maintenance. She'll have also single mother's allowance. Well, let's talk about that then, because if if you are a single mother, mm-hmm. um, what sort of money do you have to be earning? Then to 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 be able to afford this this well, crash care. Okay, well you, you know again up to about maybe even though you have social universal social charge and PSI at certain levels, um, yet in around seventeen thousand is about the mark where you actually pay very very little tax. So, um, but that will that's a net, and as we saw there, you know even on you know forty one percent. Um, you need 24,000. So bring it down to the 20%, you're still going to be needing at least 17 grand 
uh, even at that level. And so it, it, is, a, it is really expensive. Um, and if you, if you have a mother-in-law... I was just going to say, hence, <laughs> hence the, 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 the success of, the, of the, the grandparents and the mother-in-law yeah. and, and the relatives yeah. who are going to mind your, mind your children. I mean, there, are, there are grandmothers up and down the country and grandfathers who are worth their weight in gold, uh, not just because they're brilliant grandmothers and grandfathers, but because they're probably helping out the, their, their children to what mind they, their grandchildren. They start looking for a cut out of, as a result of these figures that we, we put out today. Well, you'll never know. Let's let's move on then, uh, John. A lot of discussion around these new um, minimum income guidelines, which are yeah. to be issued soon. What, what's your take on what's been flagged in advance in terms of the, the criteria the banks will be using, for example, to assess customers who are looking for deals on their debt yeah. or even applying for a mortgage, um, which they could they, they could be they could use well, that as well. well? You know what I, I do like, and uh, quoting uh, Joan Burton, uh, who said that the idea of banks micromanaging uh, every piece of family income for people seeking debt deals with the lenders is much exaggerated. She said, and I think it is as well. I, mean, I cannot see where banks are going to be coming to say to some debtor, by the way, you better not have Sky Sports or Sky Movies, and at that second job, you can forget about it because the cr- the crash, and we've just done that, yeah. is is too costly. And as regards that second car get rid of it. That's not really going to happen. Uh, I think that people will, 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 be, will be sensible about this. I also like that last line she, she made, which was, uh, speaking as Minister for Social Protection, it's not in my interest to advocate any system that would grind down people by banks. Banks have done enough damage. Mm. That's what she said. But can you see a situation whereby if a bank is looking at somebody's um, outgoings mm. every month and, uh, and they see a big chunk or a sizable chunk being put away for a few months to pay for, for the summer holiday and bills or visa cards are stocking up or whatever. Okay. It, yeah, there, 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 is, there, is, there is give and take. And, and for instance, you know, uh, private school fees, that's one area, mm. you know, where you uh, cannot make uh, your, uh, any capital payments and you're, you're, you maybe even might only be paying half your interest payments, but yet you're, you're sending your, your, your children to a private school. That, that's going to be looked at. I think that's a fair point. But I think one of the other things that came out in relation to this story in the last few days was that the bank would certainly maybe force you to sell a second car if you had one. But Mm. is it not fair to say that in many cases, particularly if you live in the countryside in rural areas, you need the car. car, Yeah, Uh, And you need probably two cars as well, because especially if you have a young family and uh, the husband's gone off to Dublin to work and there's no other way of getting to to Dublin, then yeah, the second car. I think they have to be sensible. Most, Most actually second cars are... Usually, you know the the, the, the lesser the car, old, aren't they? The yeah. old uh, uh, kind of story, you know, two thousand one, two thousand two. My son had an old ninety eight Fiesta, and he he had it for five years, and it actually. Uh, broke down on the way to Cork and in fact it was it had a 200 euros worth of tax still left on it and he was mm. offered 180. Alright, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good it was. Okay. Mm. I know that um, uh, Jonathan here every Tuesday uh, is talking about discrepancies regularly at the cost of pharmaceutical drugs. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's also been covered widely on, on, on News Talk yeah. as a whole but a new National Consumer Association survey out yesterday putting some figures on the differences in uh, prices from place yeah, to place. Just within Ireland because yeah. the last time we discussed that this was about um, uh, uh, Northern Ireland and, and Ireland. That's and right, that yeah. There was a huge discrepancy. Yeah. You could pay 15 times yeah. more down here than the, for the drugs up here. This is uh, where they found, for instance, the National Consumers Association, they found a difference in Waterford. Uh, you know, a medicine commonly used to treat stomach ulcers, for instance, uh, 122% of a difference between two pharmacies within Waterford. I mean, that's Crazy, all over the country. It? And there's a difference between like 37% up to 199% on certain drugs. Uh, so it 
it goes back to the same thing where that lady actually uh, who sent in the query originally to us yeah. here in News Talk, and she asked, uh, you know, what should she do about these uh, prescriptions every month? And I said, you shop around, you ring up your pharmacist, and she, in fairness, sent back a letter here saying, I did what you said, uh, I went and I rang, and I got some some really funny responses because said, what are you doing, ringing up a pharmacist looking for a quote for drugs? This doesn't happen. Now it does because she went and she found the difference between the the cheapest drug uh, prescription that mm. she had to get was like something like 73 euros and the the other um, the the most expensive one was was 106 just, so she saved 33 euros just looking at some of the um uh, texts that have just come in on that just just one or two quickly before we yeah. move on to some questions um i hope i'm pronouncing this properly effexor uh, one month costs 80 to 90 euro in ireland says this texter i can get 6 months supply in spain for the same price that's a story we're hearing all the time isn't it you know oh, uh, yeah well this is it and also you know you can actually get as i say 12 to 15 times cheaper up the north yeah. and i think uh, the the big question here, John, actually, is the HSE. HSE, who, who don't distribute the, the drugs, the pharmaceutical companies do that, but they determine the prices. Why? Why isn't there somebody saying, yeah. hey, why are we paying 15 times Regulator more or something, yeah. uh, for these drugs than, than they are up north? Move to some questions now, but just yep. before, uh, one last one on this. Uh, I get 260 gram tubes of ointments per month on prescription. Small local chemists charge 121 per tube, but the local boots charge 84. That's a bit back to the yeah. sort of Waterford example Bo- you were giving. Boots have, have, yeah. have the, the, certainly the name for being the cheapest Cheaper, of the pharmacists. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go to some questions now. Um, here we go. We're first time buyers with a €100,000 deposit. We're now trying to borrow 280000 on a 75k salary, but we've been refused by the big banks because my husband is a sole trader. Any ideas? Well, this is Mary in Stillorgan. Um Well, first, let me say the lenders, none of them discriminate against sole traders, I can tell you that. Some of the drawbacks, though, for sole traders are uh, the accountant uh, for, for these sole traders will try to minimise the tax liability. So therefore, he's writing off John as much as possible. Secondly, he may have a good uh, you know, turnover or sales, but it's the net income that mm. most of these lenders go on, the net income. So that's income before tax. So he would have to have a net income of 75000 and have that consistently, perhaps for up to three to five years. Um, and one of the problems about being a sole trader is that it's security and permanency yeah. of the work. You, you, you can't, you can't prove that. There's, there's, there's no guarantee. So uh, needless to say, with uh, Mary living in Stillorgan, I'm right in Stillorgan. Maybe she should pop in and have a cup of tea. <laughs> Mary, there you go. Pop <laughs> into John, have tea. He'll supply the biscuits as well. Uh, stuck in an apartment, family has increased increased, not enough space, can't upsize, uh, uh, can't afford my mortgage. Any advice? You know, I, I really empathise. I've, I've come across so many of these cases. You know, all lending is based on the ability, John, to repay. So you have to actually prove that too. So if you have the income, which is your number one asset, and then all things are possible. You, you know, negative equity transfers, um, even switching tracker rates from one mortgage to another. A number of, of uh, lenders who allow switching your tracker mortgage to another um, house but only if I thought they were trying to offload tracker mortgages, <coughs> everybody. Well, no, they're, they're, they're allowed to, uh, to uh, transfer them across. And even there's a couple of them now starting to allow negative equity transfers. So if you have a house that, say, was worth 500,000, you borrowed 400, it's now worth 200, and it's not big enough. I mean, mm. I had a couple who had, you know, two bedroom department. Uh, they had three kids in five years, and like boy, girl, and another girl. So they had to move. Um, but the, because of their income, they had two very good incomes. They were able to 
repay this negative equity. They sold the pro- property, yeah. two-bedroom yeah. apartment, and they bought a second uh, property, 90% loan, uh, and they were able to fund both of them. That's the key, that, that they were able to fund and their income was sufficient. So selling your property, if the nev- and if it's on a negative equity uh, uh, kind of tracker, um, paying off the negative equity without security over the term left and borrowing then elsewhere for your home. So you could also rent existing place and borrow for the new property. Um, the third thing is that if you don't have income, if you don't have that income uh, and your current home is too small and, and you can't sell it, well, do what the Germans did 50 years ago, John, mm. which was um, they rented their homes and they bought their colour TV. Mm. We did the opposite. Mm. Mm. I, I suppose a lot of people, though, would be reluctant, wouldn't they? Because the market is so bad for selling houses at the moment that uh, well, well, you're it, not going to get it. Well, that's it. it. You, you, you rent it. If, if yeah. the accommodation is too small, you have to move. So rather, if you can't sell it, you may as well rent it and then rent again. Uh, but there's a couple of other things that you need to think about as well because uh, some of these are first-time buyers and they might have the tax relief at source, John. Oh, of course. They've got to stop that once they start renting out the property. Uh, another question. I have about 50000 left on my mortgage with six years left. Should I clear it, says John? Um, I'll deduct from this that this uh, texter has at least 50000 must spare. Have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely feeling when you've paid off your own home. Um, fortunately, I don't have that feeling. But a lot, um, uh, John, uh, this uh, d- depends on circumstances. The tracker rate... Um, you're obviously going to get a greater return uh, on, you know, deposit even, you know, even if you put it into state savings than you will by paying off this tracker. Is it affecting the current cash flow? Uh, these are some of the questions. How many of the uh, rest of your investments, uh, you know, how are they doing? And if you pay it off, have you other funds to call on? There's no point in, mm. for instance, this is maybe his last 50,000 mm. um, and you, you, you pay off and then suddenly there's an emergency. You and know, you don't have anything. Or you have a sudden loss of income. So personally, if it wasn't hurting the cash flow, I would continue with the mortgage, wait a year or two and see what happens with the tracker uh, rates and then if they start to go up, as inevitably they must, yeah. by the way, then that might be the time to pay it off. Could if you still have the money, by the way. Couldn't he also just add an extra bit to the monthly repayments? He could. And some of the lenders, most of the lenders allow that. Yeah. But the others don't. Some some would actually... penalise you. If, well, it's not, not penalise them, but it's not coming off your capital. And therefore, it's just building up as an overpayment. Okay. So okay. you want to make sure that your lender is saying that that extra money is yeah, going, going off against off your capital. capital. Probably time for one more. And I think this is an interesting... Interesting one. Hi, Money Doctor. I'm in same situation as previous texter. My mortgage is in €24,000 arrears. Myself and my wife are separated and not living in the property. Just got the documents from mortgage provider for a financial statement. I have 5000 in my account and not willing to pay the arrears, neither interested in keeping the property. Gosh. What will happen if I don't send back the form and how can I get out from the house? Well, well the most important thing here is this, this person, the two of them have to guard their good name. And, you know, I'm really ser- sorry to hear about these personal circumstances and uh, you know the first thing obviously that they're going to have to do and I would communicate at all times no matter what it is no matter how bleak the situation you have to communicate there's a thing called John a standard financial statement that you have to complete once you're in this situation to let this, uh, the, the lender know what your financial background is and, and like that last 5,000 I wouldn't be paying that off either I have to say now if you haven't got the ability to pay and there's nothing you can do uh, but you ha- can communicate 5,000 is about 20% of the arrears so what, what you have to do and what this couple have to do this separated couple look at the bigger picture, picture. you know putting your head in the sand all it's going to do is going to you know increase that loss that, that, that uh, debit mm. and that debt to X amount higher, which is just going to add to your woes. So, I mean, as I say, I, I would uh, communicate with the, with the, with the institution. 
don't pay that 5000 because that's just a drop in the ocean. That's not the yeah. issue. The issue is what's going to happen the to the picture. property. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just going back to the childcare issue that we were talking yeah. about at the, at the start there and, and, and the, indeed the, the um, News Talk survey on, on crash prices. Uh, a text from Kate, she says, it's time to make childcare costs a tax-deductible expense. What, what do you think of that? I think it's a very, very good idea. I price. Think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's over a, a million kids in the country and I don't know, to be honest, uh, uh, women more so than men deserve a medal because how they can actually hold down a job and look after the family, keep the house going and still have some kind of relationship with the husband of the house, <laughs> it beats me. All right, John, we've got to, we've got to leave it there. For, for more on that uh, uh, childcare, that creche um, costs around the country, you can check out newstalk.ie for more details there. Uh, John Lowe, Money Doctor, thank you very much indeed. John Lowe, of course, of moneydoctor.ie and the author of the best-selling Money Doctor Finance Annuals. Columnist also with the Sunday Business Post. There's no end to this man's talents. <laughs> He's also a fully authorised and regulated independent financial advisor and is available for phone or face-to-face consultations. Thanks again, John. Uh, forget John's weekly podcast on newstalk.ie or you can get it on iTunes. This is Newstalk Lunchtime and still to come on the programme, the Fianna Fáil councillor who says we need to follow the example of Britain and implement an Irish first policy when it comes to social housing. We'll also be previewing the Meath East by-election which takes place tomorrow and we'll check in on the latest in Sligo at the AGSI conference.